Welcome to the Put Back on SNY.TV. I'm Ian Begley, SNY's NBA insider, and we've got two great guests to break down the Knicks and the NBA trade deadline today. We've got Steve Popper, veteran scribe from Newsday. He's been covering the Knicks for a while, and we've got our guy Kaz Famuide, and we are very happy to have our guy Kaz on. Uh, if you're a Nick fan, I'm sure you've known him. You've seen his work. He's a big-time <laughs> Nick fan. Uh, we're going to get into the trades. We're going to get into the injuries. We're getting into all of it. But right now, we are going to start with the baseline. And the baseline today will deal with the injury report with the Knicks, which is a lengthy one. And we're going to start on Jalen Brunson. Had an ankle sprain last night in the game against Memphis. And he was walking out of the garden after the game a little cautiously. No uh, no crutches, no boot, nothing like that. And I was told in the aftermath of that that the initial read on it was that it was not a severe ankle sprain. And he, they, there wasn't an expectation at that point that he would miss, you know, weeks. Maybe he'd miss days. But, you know, it's all about how you wake up the next morning. So I think that will really tell the story on Brunson's ankle. And Steve. When you look at this thing, the injury report, it's so lengthy for the Knicks. How much do you think that puts an emphasis on them to get something done before 3 p.m. tomorrow? I will say that I think uh, everybody in the garden held their breath yesterday because Jalen is the one guy you can't imagine losing for any time. Look, they don't. there's not really a backup point guard, uh, true point guard, playmaker li like him, a scorer like him. I mean, everything he does, it, it just – it could change everything in, in a heartbeat. I do think that, um, as you said, it didn't seem, you know, we didn't see him on crutches. We didn't see him in a boot. So I, I don't think that, that it's a long-term thing. I think that the the, the, the patience they've shown, I, I just don't see why you lose it right now because you do see sort of the light at the end of the tunnel where, you know, Julius looks like he's not a long-term. Uh, Mitchell Robinson coming back after the All-Star break to, you know, on-court work. You, you can start to see where some of these pieces are coming back. I don't, I don't think it's a panic time right now, uh, which is hard to do when you're 24 hours from the deadline. Right. And Kaz, what about you? Do you think the Knicks should do more or let these injuries influence what they do over the next 24 hours? Uh, I, I would say the All-Star break couldn't come at a better time, for one. <laughs> you know, this injury report is getting a little bit lengthier from my taste. But uh, it wasn't so much about the players, more so was it about – you know, a team like the Memphis Grizzlies, well, you want to put them away, and you probably could have. But if you had some bench depth, if you had a couple of players that you can really rely on to give Jalen Brunson, give uh, Dante DiVincenzo, uh, Isaiah Hartenstein some breaks uh, instead of, you know, pushing it to the metal against guys who were literally in the G League last week, those are things that could possibly happen. So I wouldn't say so much they need uh, to get a trade done to get more players for the long term because they are going to get healthy. But you're going to want to get some of your star players just a little bit of time to, to ride the pine a little bit. And uh, just judge by the plus minuses, they've been blowing teams out. And you want to keep them blown out by keeping your guys on the bench. So I think that's a big reason why you want to make a move before tomorrow. Right. And Kaz, that's a beautiful mic, man, before I move on. That is strong. <laughs> Thank um, you. I appreciate it. But let's go with Tom Thibodeau. <laughs> Lightning, lightning uh, subject here in New York was with the minutes and with guys being in the game late. Look, last night they were down, they were up 10 rather, or nine, and there was maybe over five minutes to go. Any team in the NBA would have its best player on the floor at that time. So I want to start there. And I also would say that with regards to 
the big picture with Jalen Brunson, is he going to run out of gas? Is he going to, is Tibbs going to run him into the ground? Uh, one point here is Rick Brunson, his father, an assistant coach with the Knicks, is sitting right there every game. And I don't think Rick Brunson would allow the Knicks, Tom Thibodeau, anybody to put Jalen Brunson in harm's way. He's worked with his son his whole life. He knows his son's body. He knows what he can and cannot take. So I think there's kind of a uh, – I think it's a little bit blown out of proportion when you talk about Jalen specifically and if Thibodeau is putting these guys in danger. I'm not here to defend everything Tom Thibodeau does. We saw the R.J. Barrett injury late in a road game in Denver. Uh, we've seen it a couple of times. But on this one in particular, Jalen Brunson, I didn't see anything wrong with it. Steve, what's your read on that? I, I, I agree. And look, you know, if you look at the numbers – uh, these guys are not leading the league in minutes. Um, and, and I think, Ian, we know it as guys who are on the beat. They don't practice anymore. <laughs> and so they yeah. really um, – I was talking to Isaiah Hartenstein about this last night before the game that these guys are getting their break. Like they were off Sunday and Monday. In any other season, I think any other coach, Sunday would be an off day, Monday would be a practice. They didn't practice either day. Um, I, I think he's really know, – he knows what he's got to get out of his guys sort of when they can give it to them. So they're doing walkthroughs, uh, film work. But these guys are not going out there and killing themselves in, you know, Pat Riley three-hour practices. Um, so I, I think I think some of this is overblown. I, I think, look, you know, an injury can happen at any time. Uh, you, you know, a Thibodeau likes to say it can happen first minute, last minute. But can't happen the last minute if he's out of the game. But I, I, I think no one can blame him for last night. You know, this is a game they can't let get, they can't let get away. Uh, and 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 it, it was a you know a crazy eighteen to one run. They had to stop the bleeding, and they don't have another playmaker behind them. It, it feels like uh, Knicks fans, and more importantly, folks that have followed Tom Thibodeau's career uh, over the past decade plus, still kind of has PTSD, right? Like they still think of Derrick Rose late in the playoff game, you know, getting uh, you know injured and pretty significantly altering his career for the foreseeable future. And any time. A player gets injured on Tom Thibodeau's watch. Knicks fans and NBA fans all over are going to say, oh, here he goes. Here comes Tom Thibodeau playing people too long. But the data doesn't really match up, right? If you look at the usage rate, if you look at some of the big players around the league, like, surprise, surprise, Jalen Brunson's one of the better players in the league. Julius Randle's one of the better players in the league. They're going to play a lot of minutes, right? Like, And even when you compare him to the other players in the league, they're already even in the top five or top ten of minutes played among star players. So I always thought the whole uh, minutes police when it comes to Tom Thibodeau has been a little bit out of proportion. Now, their style of play, now the way that they play super hard and the fact that they were going up against a Grizzlies team who, like I said, had a bunch of G League players as of last week who were literally playing for their careers, playing for their lives. Hey, I go in an 18-1 run and surprising Knicks team. That could change my entire life. Of course, they're going to play hard, but you know that unspoken bond between NBA starters and all stars, where maybe if the game's out of reach and not necessarily diving at people's legs or trying to, you know, really do everything you possibly can to steal a win, um, you know, that doesn't really apply to guys who haven't really been in the NBA that long. So that was my biggest fear. But the minutes, I think we should really like pump the brakes on, you know, really getting on Tom Thibodeau because I don't think he never really escaped. That uh, that shadow from the big Derrick Rose injury and the other injuries from the Chicago Bulls days, the numbers, the data, it doesn't really match up. But it's a nice talking point for people to have whenever someone gets hurt on Tom Thibodeau's watch, I guess. 
Yeah, look, the one I mean, thing I didn't the, get, the, go ahead, Steve. I, I was gonna say the one thing I'd add to that is, uh, you know, this too, Ian. The guy, the type of guys they have there are guys that are workers. These guys are yeah. conditioned, very hard workers who condition themselves. And, and they talk about this condition yourself to play those minutes so that you're not pushing yourself beyond your limits. Uh, and, and look, we see Derek Rose and Taj Gibson in the game last night at their age. <laughs> Maybe he didn't kill them off. <laughs> and too, like, he will get criticized justifiably so if one of his guys gets hurt late in a game that's been decided. And I've been a member of the Minutes Police. I've walked into that press conference room <laughs> with my hat, my handcuffs, ready to ask <laughs> questions. So I'm there. But I think a lot of it is overblown. And Robert Randolph, my guy, Friday Night Knicks, just relax on tips, man. Just chill out for a little bit. Let the season play out, and, and then we'll see where we're at. Rob, please. Anyway. We're going to get to Alec Burks right now, trade stuff, because that's what everybody wants to talk about. That's what I want to talk about. So the thing here is, yes, the Knicks, very, very interested in Alec Burks. They remain so. They will remain so until it's clear that they cannot get a deal done. Uh, the issue here is I think there's some confusion about Detroit and kind of the decision-making process over there. I think there are uh, some decision-makers who – see no issue with getting off of an Alec Burks or a Boyan Bogdanovich. And then there are other influential voices who want to hold on to those players. I'm sure Monty Williams, the head coach, has a say in what happens. But the Knicks certainly would like to acquire Burks if they can. They've got other people they're interested in. If they can't go there, I think that you know, Jordan Clarkson is on the list. Bruce Brown is on the list. So you keep an eye on those guys too. But for Detroit, I think one thing you can look at is, do they deal Bojan Bogdanovic? If they decide to deal Bojan, I'm pretty sure they'll go ahead and deal Alec Burks too. Philadelphia's in on Bojan. Detroit wants Tobias Harris in a trade, so that might be the hang-up there. But keep an eye on Bojan with all this stuff with Detroit, Burks, and the Knicks. Steve, where are you on Alec Burks in New York? Well, first of all, on Detroit's side of it, it's one of the things that, you know, everybody says things uh, leading up to the trade deadline. And that might be the least believable thing that they, that, that they are so attached to Alec Burks that they can't give him up. You know, it, it just makes no sense for them. You know, he's an expiring contract. He's a veteran guy, you know, has, you know, do you need him to teach your young guys? Sure. But if they haven't learned by now at this point in the season uh, from him, how to conduct themselves, it, it's a lost cause. Uh, to me, he's been the one that makes the most sense for the Knicks from the very start. We know how Thibodeau loves, his guys, and he loved Alec Burks when he was here with the Knicks. Um, I, I, I've seen it as a fit. He's a guy who you can put on the bench. He's not going to complain about his role, his minutes. And look, most of all, what I think they need is a veteran, a guy who can get them into their offense so that they don't have to have these lulls where, uh, you know, they have talent on, the, on that second unit, but they need someone to get them organized, to get them to run their offense, to get things right. And McBride is, has been a great, you know, pick up for them. I think uh, his shooting has gotten so much better. His defense is at an elite level, but he's not, he's not a natural point guard uh, mm -hmm. running things, orchestrating things. I think Burks could fill that role uh, perfectly. And, and, and I think it's a role, uh, you know, there, there's some tricky, uh, I think cap permutations that they need to make a deal. You know, other pieces have to be involved, but I think that's something they can do uh, without, you know, without adding a Quentin Grimes and a deal, something like that. I, I think, this is a deal they can make with Fournier's contract, uh, you know, second round pick, something like that, uh, to make it happen. 
Yeah, I'm not going to quiz you on the cap implications of these deals. I will leave <laughs> yeah. that for Bobby Marks and the pros. But well, you can catch. If I made it up, would you know that I was lying anyway? <laughs> Probably not. I would text Bobby immediately. Uh, but, guys, our show now, you can catch us here. You can also catch us in podcast form. So be sure to check us out, download us wherever you get your podcasts. And we're going to have some fun here because we got a new segment called Kaz's Keys. Kaz is going to let us know what he thinks the three best moves are for the Knicks. Kaz, number three, let's hear it. Number three, I'm so excited to do this, by the way, Ian. I've been really <laughs> studying, making sure we got this down. My first key for Kaz's keys tonight is number three, acquiring Bruce Brown from the Toronto Raptors. Now, Bruce Brown is a guy who I think was instrumental to the Denver Nuggets championship run last year. He got broke off this summer, got paid a whole lot of money, and now he went to Indiana and obviously probably wasn't the best fit for him. They play a style of basketball that doesn't really necessarily accentuate the positives for Bruce Brown. You don't really see what he brings to a team when you're getting up and down a million times a game and not really playing a whole lot of defense. But I think Bruce Brown sort of is a hand-in-glove fit as far as Tom Thibodeau guys. Now, obviously, people might say, you know, you already got Josh Hart. You already got guys like uh, Miles McBride who's rising a little bit. Why would you want to bring in another guard who's going to sort of come in and possibly take some shine from them? My reply to that is that New York Knicks are establishing a culture right now of toughness, of grit, of smart veteran basketball players who have won on a high level. Dante DiVincenzo's done it. I mean, uh, OG Ananobi has done it, even though he was injured during that championship run. Jalen Brunson, for the most part, has done that. Um, and I think Bruce Brown sort of fits that role. And uh, as far as being a guy who can come off the bench, score in a way that Alec Burks, that Steve mentioned earlier, I think he's a, a great fit uh, if the Knicks go out and get him. And also, you could probably get him for a little bit less expensive uh, than the other uh, shiny toys that might be out there on the trading block. Number two on Kaz's keys, and it might be a little bit of a, uh, you know, something that I don't think Knicks fans want to hear, but just hear me out here. Hold on to Evan Fournier's contract. Now, the one thing that the New York Knicks have done so well this season and for the past several seasons is smart front office move. They don't have a single unsavory contract on their entire roster and the only one that looks a little suspect is Evan Fournier's but if you just take a step back a little bit he's a guy who's going to earn almost 18 million dollars next year it is a team option and if you look at the free agents in the next upcoming summer that number that Evan Fournier is making could be very consequential as far as possibly getting maybe possibly a third star alongside Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle in the summertime. Now, as of right now, the New York Knicks had been rolling. They stumbled a little bit against the Los Angeles Lakers, but I don't think you have to necessarily be in a huge rush to deal Evan Fournier if you have the opportunity in the summertime to use that free money to go and get one of these guys in the offseason that can really keep the New York Knicks in championship-level contention for the foreseeable future. It might sound crazy. We might have to have a little bit of patience, Knicks fans. And I know we've been trying to figure out where we can flip that Evan Fournier dollar contract for. But maybe, maybe this offseason is where you really cash in on that. And last but certainly not least, my number one key uh, for Kaz's keys as we approach the NBA trade deadline is acquiring Jordan Clarkson. Now, 
Yes, Jordan Clarkson is a guy who has been in the six man of the year conversation for much of his tenure as a member of the Utah Jazz. But if you haven't noticed around the New York Knicks right now, or it becomes the Villanova Knicks or the Kentucky Wildcats, the New York Knicks are trying a brand new thing when it comes to winning basketball games. And that's the power of friendship, huh? Anybody like the power of friendship? Jordan Clarkson, Julius Randle, both part of the last sort of uh, Los Angeles Lakers, Kobe Bryant Lakers team. They came into the league together. They had that chemistry as rookies joining the NBA, and now they've both grown into great players. You've already satisfied Jalen Brunson. You got him as Villanova guys and Josh Hart, DiVincenzo, and even Ryan Arca Diacono. Even though he hasn't scored a, a bucket in 20 games, made NBA history doing that. I think Jordan Clarkson could slide right in as one of Julius Randle's homies who could come in and answer a lot of questions that the Knicks have. We saw what happened with the Memphis Grizzlies yesterday. You mean to tell me a guy like Jordan Clarkson couldn't hold off that Memphis Grizzlies team by himself, just getting buckets and keeping Jalen Brunson off the bench so they could stay healthy for this all-star break? I think he is the guy that you can go after, and he is my number one trade target as far as the trade deadline comes around. That is my Cavs keys for today. We got the keys, and we appreciate it, Kaz. And I'm going to start in on Clarkson because you said it earlier. Burks, I think, is is the guy, if they can get, they want to get him. They've got other guys to slide to if they can't get Burks, and that's really up to Detroit. And Clarkson, I think, is right there with Bruce Brown. And um, I heard that as recently as yesterday that – they, they see him as uh, somebody to pursue. You know, they see, I think, what Kaz sees in terms of uh, a score who can really solidify your bench, who can give your starters uh, a blow, and the offense isn't going to crater, which has happened sometimes with the reserve units now. I think Utah will want a lot for Clarkson. Uh, I think he's valued there. He's under contract beyond this season. And I think he, he has a lot of fans in that organization, including the owner. So it's going to be interesting to see what Utah wants, how they proceed. But if the Knicks, uh, they can't get Burks and they can meet the price on Clarkson, I think there's something that could get done there. Steve, where are you on that? Uh, the, the one thing I, I kind of put these together, uh, sort of his second and third key there, um, the Clarkson thing and, and the Fournier thing to me are, are something that you look at almost as a package deal. If you're going to keep that Fournier contract, I want that Grimes contract too, because he's a guy that, like, when you're moving Fournier in the summertime, if, you, if you're thinking about moving him for a star, and, I, and I'm still in the belief that trading for a star is the better way to do it than free agency because nobody gets to free agency anymore. Um, so to me, to me, if you're holding on to, to, to Fournier and, and you look, it's cruel almost at this point now of making him sit out another year with another $19 million pickup, um, I mean, 19 million is, is nice, yeah. but, 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 which would ease my, you know, my, my apprehension. About I'm sure he sleeps players. well at night. But, yeah. but, 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 but look, you know, these guys, these guys work their whole lives to get to this point. And, yeah. and Fournier, I think has been a good soldier. Uh, and he sees the prime of his career sitting on the bench and, and it's just not what he wants to do. I, I think if you told him, you know, we're going to give you a pay cut and, or buy, you know, buy you out and go play somewhere else, he, he'd take it in a heartbeat. For yeah. the opportunity to play but but that said to the knicks they, they can't concern themselves with that as, as as nice as it may be so to me that fournier deal in the summer uh, and the grimes deal with it where you're giving an attractive young player on a cheap contract with with fournier's expiring contract some combination of picks which look nobody even wants picks this year because it looks like a lousy draft um 
so so I, I think in the summer you probably can do something with those. So that's where I, I'd hold off on the, you know, making a move for for a Clarkson type. Um, and it, it would be nice to get to get a little super friends for for Julius, especially after they got they got rid of quickly. Uh, but but to me, I, I think everything here is fit. Um, and, and look, the one thing we talk we haven't talked about is when you're talking about packaging these things for a star. The, this team got a lot better when they had less hands on the ball. Yeah. Um, you know, w- when they got Ananobi and, and they didn't have to share it with a third guy who needed the ball. So I think they have to be very cautious of that. You know, people say, go get Joel Embiid, and that's great. But now you're taking the ball out of Jalen Brunson's hands, out of Julius Randle's hands. So I think there's a lot of complications to this, and, and the team looks very good right now. So I'd be very careful how I tread with that. I know, I know people get tired when I say patience, but I think they've showed patience and it's worked out, worked out so far. Listen to the old wise man when it comes to patience. He knows what he's talking about. But what quick hey, note I, on I, Bruce Brown. I, 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 might not, I might not be around. Like, I got to rush this. I was dark. I could be with Berman in Florida is what I mean. That's, that's, <laughs> okay. Wouldn't be a bad thing. But I want to hit Bruce Brown quickly because, Kaz, you mentioned him earlier. Knicks and Raptors have been in touch, and I was told that one iteration of talks had Toronto adding Chris Boucher to a Bruce Brown package. Uh, I don't know how the Knicks felt about that, and I think the draft compensation, as Steve mentioned, 2024, not attractive in terms of moving picks. Uh, I think Toronto would want something beyond that. That The Knicks want to give that up. I'm not so sure, so I think maybe it, there's a, it hinges there a bit for Brown. But Quinn Grimes, I mean, he, to me, he's a fulcrum, too, to this whole thing. We talked about him a lot. Kaz, do you see him as a piece on a contending team? You've watched him for a long time. What do you think? Yeah, uh, I've watched Quinn Grimes for a long time. I did one of his first interviews right when he was drafted to the New York Knicks. And I've always been a big fan of his game. But I would say his consistency is what's going to be the key if he's going to be a contributing to a contributing factor to a winning team. Look. When he's got it going, he's got one of the prettiest jump shots in the NBA. And then last year in the playoffs against the Miami Heat, he had one of the more inspiring defensive stops against Jimmy Butler, which I think earned him a lot of fans, especially in New York City. But, you know, you got to give it to him, man. This is a guy who expected to come into the season as an NBA starter. He got relegated to the bench, and for the most part, it's been the right decision. Dante DiVincenzo has been a lights-out shooting guard, one of the best shooters in the league so far. But Quentin Grimes seems like a guy, like Steve mentioned, um, needs the ball in his hands to really be, uh, you know, effective. I think we've seen him a little bit uh, attacking the the paint more, getting to the cup. And I think he's a lot more athletic than people, uh, you know, sort of realize or he's had the opportunity to show so far. Um, The one thing I, I, I hope for Quentin Grimes, if he does remain in New York Nick, is just to add that consistency off the bench. And some of these games where the New York Knicks were blowing out these really good teams, a lot of those games had big Quentin Grimes moments, you know, where he was coming off the bench getting maybe 18, 20 points uh, scoring, really spreading the floor out for guys like Josh Hart to get rebounds and go coast to coast and drive right into the rim. Um, the numbers may not tell the whole story with Quentin Grimes. So maybe he's one of those young, intriguing prospects who probably would end up on a team that isn't necessarily a contender. And you could see the full breadth of his talents. 
But I still think if the Knicks hold on to him, there's a place for him here. I think there's certain times, especially when that bench opens up and uh, say they strike out on the trade deadline and don't necessarily get that creative uh, shooting guard or, or, or combo guard that they think they need, maybe that'll light a fire under Quentin Grimes, knowing that he's going to be around for a while and he can play a little bit more loose and not look over his shoulder for the next trade room or trade deadline going along. I'm a big believer in his talent. I would just like to see a little bit more consistency from him. And, uh, you know, uh, I, I, he showed he could play some defense. It's just seeing how much he can do it over an extended period of time. His shot is really what separates him from everybody. When he can spread that court out, guys like McBride, guys like Josh Hart, and even Precious Achua uh, when he goes back to the bench when Randall comes back, uh, they get a lot more space to operate. So uh, I think he could be a really key piece if he can just stay consistent. Steve, we're going to talk Grimes a little bit later on, but right now I want to go to Matt Spenley. Uh, the brains behind SNY's social operation does a great job, but he's got a fan question for us right now. Matt, what's happening? Thanks, as always, Ian. I appreciate it, fellas. All right, I got a couple for you. So we're going to hit one first from Robert Cross. Uh, does the wide-open nature of the East make Leon Rose and company more bullish at the trade deadline. So we got the Bucks who just finished up a one and four road trip. The Celtics have won six of eight. The Cavaliers have been one of the hottest teams in the league. So the wide open nature of the East, I think we'll see once the playoffs come, I think a fully healthy Celtics are going to be an incredibly difficult team to beat. But Ian, do you think uh, the state of the East is any consideration for them as they're thinking about the trade deadline? Not that I've heard, and it's a great thought, um, but I haven't heard them, you know, more aggressive after the Embiid news. Uh, I think their, their plan, at least based on what other teams are, are hearing from them, has been pretty consistent in what they want to do with adding uh, a bench piece. Uh, I, you know, the thing out the thing that's out there that is uh, makes me curious is Andrew Wiggins. You know, Golden State looking to get off of him. What would the price be for Wiggins? He's got a deal that extends beyond this summer, which is, I think, what the Nick front office is looking for. I wonder if they kick the tires there on uh, on Andrew Wiggins, but I don't think they look at this and they say, hey, let's go all in on DeJounte Murray or we have to go out and get a top guy on the market because this is our window. Understood. Steve, do you get the same feel? I, I do. And again, we've talked about the patience that these guys have had. I don't think there's any panic. I, I do think that there is an opening here. Uh, and it was before, you know, before these injuries, before trade deadline. I think people could see that um, the Bucks' problem, you know, look, the coach may have been a problem, but Doc Rivers isn't what they need as much as they need just Drew Holiday back. Um, <laughs> they're not they're not the same team. They're not as tough defensively. They're not good defensively right now. Um, so I think I think there is an opening there. I think Boston is still head and shoulders, you know, the team at the top. Philadelphia, you know, we don't know what the status of Embiid will be, uh, if he'll be back, if he'll be limited. So I think there's an opportunity here where you could see, you know, they're competing right now with Cleveland uh, for that number two seed. Uh, if you can get there, that's, you know, you, you avoid Boston until the last round. It, it's it's an interesting uh, thing, but I, I just don't I don't see that they're going to make some star move that's going to going to move the needle on that. I think I think where they are right now, adding you know around the fringes a backup point guard uh, could be the you know all they need to kind of take that next step and, and be that two seed who can give up a, a fight. You know, they'd be an underdog to Boston, but I, th I think the opening is there. Yeah. And I think as always the health, like we mentioned, once we get around to the playoffs, including uh, the Knicks right now, if you guys haven't heard, yeah. uh, they've had, some, <laughs> they've had some issues. So uh, one more question for you guys. So, Ian, I'm going to start with you here. Uh, Angel Rosario on YouTube is asking, would it surprise you if the Knicks made a move for a name we haven't 
heard a lot yet. So I know you, you mentioned Wiggins as someone just to kind of keep a, an ear on, an eye on. Uh, would it surprise you if there is a deal of a guy that we haven't heard as one of the Bruce Browns, the Clarksons that Kaz mentioned, uh, that type of move? Uh, it would surprise me a bit because I think that the teams in touch with the Knicks, they seem to have a pretty good feel on what they're looking for, what they're not looking for. But, you know, I mentioned Wiggins, and I, I do think that, you know, there's they would at least check in there. So that's why I mentioned him. But, you know, outside of that, I, I, I would be surprised if they, they did something. The, the name that intrigues me is Chris Paul, just because of all the connections between the Knicks and Chris Paul. But, you know, he's hurt. Uh, he's going to be back at some point. I, I don't I haven't heard them connected to him yet. But that's another name that is kind of on my radar in the background just because of the relationships between Paul, Leon Rose and everybody else with the Knicks. I mean, I would say I would say, you know, the, the one thing that I've noticed about this Knicks new regime, this front office is that they move in silence like the G's and lasagna right like it seems like if somebody's hurt if there is a trade coming up uh you ain't gonna hear about it until it hits the headlines and I think that's been a good thing for this Knicks front office uh since you know Leon Rose World Wide West all these guys have come together um I think the one thing that the Knicks have going for them is that they've been so well run and they have such a treasure trove of assets to offer people that Maybe there is somebody out there that nobody's really talking about. And the one thing I, I, I you know, I'm not, I'm not on the beat on the Knicks. Uh, I don't, I'm not in the locker rooms every day. But one thing I could probably assume is that, uh, you know, when you're hearing some stuff about the Knicks, it's not from their organization. It's usually from other organizations, sort of getting, uh, you know, information and making the educated guesses about what's going on because they are as tight-lipped as a franchise as I've seen in the NBA. And I think it's worked to their benefit. I think their ability to maneuver, their ability to uh, – I, I think it's, it's helped them land Jalen Brunson in the offseason. I think it's helped them land OG Anunoby. And I think it's put them in a great position to be looked at as a well-run franchise, which hasn't been the case for, you know, a good part of the last decade. So um, it wouldn't surprise me that much if we're all talking about having this big trade uh, deadline special and then tomorrow they just pull a rabbit out their hat and get somebody that none of us were talking about. Um, that's the one thing that has been really good for this team so far. They've kept a lot of things under wraps, and I think uh, so far it's uh, been a benefit to them. Steve, one player they could get back here uh, at some point is Mitchell Robinson, Tom Thibodeau mentioned what he may do after the break what did you hear from tibbs and what did you make of it i think it was encouraging and and look there's a couple facets to this one they don't need him to come back and play 48 minutes um so minutes please will be will be happy about that <laughs> I, I think i think I, I think look what 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 isaiah hartenstein has shown during mitchell's absence is you know those guys are good splitting minutes in, in any kind of way so I think you can kind of ramp him up, you know, get him back to where he can play a little, uh, start him playing some minutes. I don't think you need to rush him back, um, but but I think that's sort of that's sort of what when we're talking about this trade deadline and what, who can help, what you know, what they need. Um, they've got guys coming back off in you know the injured list here, who I think are going to make a big difference. Look, Julius is going to be back at some point. Mitchell Robinson is going to be back. Who was, you know, we were raving about him as defensive player of the year before he got hurt in December. Um, I, I think they have pieces here that will help them. Um, and, and just back to your point, you were talking before about some of the other teams. I, I think you mentioned Golden State, and I think that's a team we have to keep an eye on because they have pieces that they don't want to move. 
you know, they, they want to keep Curry. They want to keep Draymond. They want to, you know, keep this championship core maybe there for their whole careers. And the way it's going right now is not the way they want to finish it out. So I think, I think as much as we look at like a Detroit or an Atlanta as desperate to rebuild, I, I think they're going to want to make moves to the Warriors and, and get help, help for Curry right away. So I think they're a team definitely to keep an eye on uh, before tomorrow. Well, tomorrow we will be back 3 p.m. right at the deadline, breaking it all down with you here on the putback. We've got Fred Katz from The Athletic. We've got Jonathan Macri, Nick's Film School, and we're going to have Chelsea Sherrod running point guard for us. So it's going to be a fun show. Be sure to lock in with us then. Right now, we're going back to my friend Matt Spenley. Matt's got something for us. Matt, what's up? Can't wait for that show. Going to be great. Deadline should be great. But this one's about Cass. Cass. We're happy to have you back, man. Happy to have you back good. with SNY. Brought back some great memories, especially of this video that we made. I checked the oh, records. God. November 2019, <laughs> when the Knicks were in the middle of a 21-win season. Uh, okay. Hold the tape. Oh, so good. <laughs> you know, I'm feeling hopeful. I'm feeling good. <laughs> and we're going to let everybody know it's still a Knicks town. It's a big conspiracy. Nobody wants us to be good. I swear. Everyone's against us. <laughs> We're good. Everything's, everything's fine. I told you. I told you. <laughs> and fire everyone. BBI. <laughs> BBI. It's the worst shot in basketball. God. <laughs> really good or really bad. It's the only way I've seen it work. Give us like three, four, five years. We'll be right there at the top of the East. So we can pick Bronny James Jr. And Bron James said he wants to play with his kid. So 42-year-old LeBron, I'd take 42-year-old LeBron. 42-year-old LeBron looks good, man. I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. That is, that's the good stuff. Amazing. Amazing. It's like a fine wine, man. We like had to bring it back. Wine. Listen, times are a lot better now. We'll say that. Yes. Times are a lot better, but we can look back on it and laugh. So we're going to go right into stargazing because you brought up LeBron James in that video. And we've talked a little bit about it. We talked about it yesterday with Stefan Bondi. You've talked about LeBron and the Knicks being a pairing, the potential. So, you know, Ian, uh, LeBron and the Knicks, we talked about it a little bit. Kaz, final shouts to you. And, uh, so, guys, LeBron and the Knicks, stargazing. Look, man, if they if they that's their end game, if that's the big name that they're pulling in, something went wrong because they have <laughs> their eyes on other players, younger players. Now, if getting LeBron gets you uh, another, you know, top player, that's a different story. But if he is the big fish, then I, something went wrong. If he's coming here with Anthony Davis, that's a different story. But like, I think that the uh, it's been a a talking point, but I don't think it's been a point of reality here with the Leon Rose, Rich Paul meeting uh, last Friday. Everybody kind of speculated. Does it mean anything for LeBron? Because LeBron was in town. Didn't. It didn't. There wasn't talk. It wasn't about LeBron. It was about a longstanding issue between Clutch and Leon Rose and William Wesley back to when they were at CAA. And, and now, you know, issues that had developed since Leon Rose and William Wesley came to the Knicks. They hashed those things out. There were some players that were discussed, specific players, but this was not the precursor to the Knicks trading for LeBron uh, by Thursday, 3 p.m. tomorrow. Now, now to, to, to their credit, I'm with you on that, Ian, right? Like, I don't think the big fish you trade for is LeBron James, but he does have a player option at the end of this year. And the one thing with the New York Knicks, the best thing that they've done this year, I've said it all show long, is that they've been a well-run organization and they've got Jalen Brunson on what is basically a bargain. You got Julius Randle under market value for this contract. And if there's a way that you can not trade any pieces, 
but you add a LeBron James to this team, when you give up some of that Evan Fournier money now, obviously he's probably going to make some little dollars and cents make sense to it. But I'm not one of those people that are still holding on to 2010 and saying, well, he had a chance to come here. I never want him to be a New York Nick. I was joking about him being a 42-year-old LeBron still looking good in that video. But 39-year-old LeBron still doesn't look too bad either. And if you have an opportunity to add somebody like that to your franchise without giving up any of those core players, um, I'm not mad at it. In fact, I'm I'm kind of for it. Uh, now, obviously, LeBron knows how to toy with us Knicks fans' hearts. He was wearing the Knicks towel. He was doing the emoji wars with, with Paul Rivera over at Spring Hill and all those people. Like, LeBron knows what he's doing. He knows exactly how to play the leverage game with the Los Angeles Lakers. So hopefully the New York Knicks don't get trigger happy and, and pull off uh, a trade that would be absolutely stunning. But you mean to tell me if the summer of 2024 comes around, and LeBron James opts out of the Los Angeles Lakers and he still has that 40 contract that comes off. And LeBron comes on a 39-year-old deal where, hey, let's do two, three years. Let's do an Aaron Rodgers-type contract and I can finish my career over here in New York City. You got a zillion second-round draft picks you could gamble on my son for. And we also have this team that looks championship-ready and conference championship-ready. I at least think about it. I'm not, I'm not just going to just brush it off like it's nothing. I at least consider it now that the, the bridges are, 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 are built back between Clutch and, and New York Knicks. And there's, you know, some, some warm, fuzzy feelings between the two people once again. I wouldn't necessarily count it out. I mean, LeBron, his last game against Dwayne Wade in the Staples, well, the Crypto.com arena, uh, he famously said uh, when the mics picked up, it's crazy that we did this again. And he said it was either here or New York. And a little part of me died when he said that. But <laughs> the fact that he's still playing at this high level, I mean, he looked pretty good on Saturday night. I was in the building to watch him do his thing. He still looked pretty good at 39 years old. I wouldn't be one of those Knicks fans that are absolutely poo-pooing this move if you get him a free agency trade. Absolutely not. But in the summertime, come back to me and talk about it. Let's see how it looks. Steve, give me a percentage on <laughs> LeBron coming here via free agency. Where are you on it? I I, I don't know the number, but I will say this entire thing is giving me like Phil Jackson PTSD. Um, <laughs> I, I, I'm just like, you know, the cryptic emojis. And if he does a how's it going to the Lakers right now, I'm, I'm, I, I may just give it all up. Look, he, uh, <laughs> I, I, uh, Steph and I were there for his morning shoot around the other day in, in New York. And he was, it was strange. He, he wouldn't offer clarity on things. And I really got the sense sort of the same as Phil Jackson trying to, you know, passive aggressively get Carmelo to wave his no trade. It felt like passive aggressively getting Rob Blinka to get, you know, the players he wants to, to join him in LA. I, I don't think he wants to move Bryce out of school. I don't think he wants to, you know, e either, you know, Bronny, maybe he comes out next year. Maybe he stays at USC. I, I don't see him wanting to go to New York next year. And, and look, he's amazing. He's still, he was amazing Saturday night. Um, what he's doing in his age is insane. Uh, and, and I've been long been an advocate for Michael Jordan as the best player I've ever seen. But what he's doing at his age is so off the charts wild. It, it, it's insane. But I don't think he is the same player. Uh, you know, his, his lapses on defense might drive Thibodeau crazy. Um, it, it, to me, I, I just don't see the fit. Um, it, I just don't see, see it working out right now. Uh, it is it is good fantasy basketball, but to me, 
I, I think they want guys. I look, I think they want Jalen Brunson to run the show here and LeBron runs the show wherever he is. That's a good point. Matt Spenley, we're coming back to you. What do you have for us? Steve, to your point, I think even the fact that some people were not gung-ho about getting LeBron because of the Brunson factor, I think tells a lot about, about where the Knicks are at at this point. But um, from another another star to DeJounte Murray, too, is a name that's been mentioned with, with the Knicks. Uh, Ian, I know you've had some reporting on this. A lot of conversation in the comments about DeJounte. I know he's not someone we really had on the front burner here, uh, but is there is there anything going there ahead of the deadline with DeJounte? Look, there are people with the Knicks that see him as a, a great pairing with Jalen Brunson. There, there are people who see him as a very good fit. But at this point, with the Knicks starting lineup playing really well and the Knicks where they are, I, I just would be surprised if they made a move of this nature, breaking up a rotation, breaking up a lineup, and having to kind of implement DeJounte Murray excuse me, into what they have going on. Uh, look, they've checked in with Atlanta on it, as have many other teams. Atlanta, uh, its price point has been high. Maybe they come down because they want to get something done by tomorrow afternoon. But I, I, I can't see this Nick team doing that move at this point because of what they've established to date. Um, Steve, have you heard anything there? Well, the one, the one thing I, I, I keep saying and I've heard from somebody in the league is th this bridge between uh, Clutch and CAA or the Knicks um is sort of one of those like yeah there's a bridge but it's one of those like rickety rope bridges over a hundred <laughs> foot gorge and you know proceed at your own risk um so, so i i don't know that that you know this sit down makes it you know that that a deal is going to happen right away i think those things take time but i but i've heard the same thing as you that atlanta is is asking a lot trying to hold to a price point that no one wants to meet so if they do look lower the price that you know and it's a you know one of these first rounders that the Knicks don't want anyway, uh, that you know something that may not convey. Uh, I could see them jumping in, and 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 maybe he becomes a sixth man for them. Um, the one thing I, I don't, I guess we kind of didn't talk about this, but when we talk about that that need for that playmaker behind um, Jalen, there are guys that that Tibbs trusts with the ball in their hands. Uh, we saw Dante last night. We saw we've seen Grimes do it at times. And we've seen uh, Josh Hart is essentially, you know, a point guard uh, with that second unit. Sometimes uh, he grabs a rebound, he brings it up, he orchestrates the offense. So I, I don't know that, that we're that desperate that they're going to go all in and, and, and give a huge package of picks that they want to hold on to for a star for DeJounte Murray. I'm not sure they, that he's the guy they want to do that for. Yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of Deontay Murray's game, but not as much as I am a fan of the backcourt of Dante DiVincenzo and Jalen Brunson. I, I've, I've said some jokingly, you know, uh, Twitter memes with the with the eyeglasses and then changing it to the Splash Brothers of Stephen Curry and Clay Thompson, but they've looked Splash Brothers-esque since uh, Dante has joined that starting lineup. Uh, and even last night when the game was getting out of hand and – there was a very, very real chance of a scary collapse against the Memphis Grizzlies without Jalen Brunson on the court. The New York Knicks turned to Dante DiVincenzo, and he delivered. And, man, he gave one of the best quotes uh, I've ever heard a Knicks player give in the past several uh, years when someone asked him if um, – his, his usage rate, if he was getting a sort of usage in the past career, would be able to pull up these sort of numbers. And, you know, I'm just paraphrasing here, but he said he doesn't care. He only cares about winning games. He only cares about uh, getting dubs. And in almost every level, 
Jalen Brunson and Dante DiVincenzo has been a winning pair. I'm willing to see what they're doing in the New York Knicks. I'm willing to see how they do on the NBA level together. So uh, if you're going to go make that big trade for that other player, I don't necessarily think you need it at shooting guard. You got Dante DiVincenzo at an incredible deal, just like you got Jalen Brunson at an incredible deal. And they play incredibly well together. I wouldn't break that up for anything. The Villanova connection is strong. The power of friendship is strong. And even more importantly than that, they're probably the best shooting backcourt in the Eastern Conference right now. Jalen Brunson and Dante DiVincenzo from three-point land have been lights out together. And that's without Julius Randle, OG Ananobi, and uh, the rest of the guys that they've lost over this injury plague the uh, last couple of weeks. So I like Deontay, but not that much. Yeah, it's a great point about Dante DiVincenzo. I think early on, just cursory talks, Atlanta, you know, Dante DiVincenzo, they hope would be on the table in a Murray deal. So that, that aligns with what you're yeah. saying, Kaz. We're going to go to final predictions here, gentlemen. So talk to me. 301 tomorrow. Kaz, what's your prediction? My prediction. Ah, man, I'm going to say that Evan Fournier will no longer be a New York Nick. Now, I know I'm not necessarily jumping out the window there, uh, mm -hmm. but I do think they're gonna. there's going to be other teams that are going to give the New York Knicks probably an offer that they can't refuse. And just judging from the, how they moved in the past several years and more importantly, the past several months, it's going to be somebody none of us are talking about. So that's going to be my biggest prediction. Evan Fournier is out of here for a player that – isn't Bruce Brown, isn't Jordan Clarkson, isn't Alec Burks. That's my big prediction tomorrow. I like it. I like it. Steve, what about you? I think at 3.01 tomorrow, we're starting to look ahead to the buyout deadline and mm. uh, and, wonder, and wondering, you know, what the competition is for a Kyle Lowry. Um, the two names that I, I've kind of talked to people about from the beginning have been Burks and Lowry, and they're not sexy moves, but I think that that's where they, they move around the edges and, Look, I, I'm sure Thibodeau remembers well what Lowry did to them in the playoffs last year. Uh, yeah. You need very little from him. He's had a rest sitting on the beach in Miami. He hasn't even reported to Charlotte since the trade. Uh, to me, that, that's the kind of guy. No, absolutely <laughs> not. Absolutely not. <laughs> so, uh, so to me, that that's sort of the thing that if, if you get a guy like that who's rested, healthy, he did go to Villanova. Um, you know, maybe he's old enough to be a professor compared to some of these guys, but uh, but but I think just what he can give defensively, playmaking, uh, I think it's a perfect fit for the second unit. Uh, there's competition for him. The Sixers, I think, would be interested. The Lakers would be interested. Milwaukee, um, all contending teams. I, I think the Knicks probably have a good case right now to sell him. Uh, to me, that that's the move that you're looking to make. They would also have good money to offer because they have their biannual exception. My prediction, 301 tomorrow, Alec Burks, Detroit, relents. They decide to give up Burks, and the Knicks go in and get him. That's where I am. We will see how it all plays out, though, over the next 24 hours. Stay with us because 11 p.m. tonight, Honda Sports Night will be there talking Knicks trade deadline, the latest going into trade deadline day. And then we're back 3 p.m. The putback tomorrow got a great show great guests with you to break it all down we'll see what happens tomorrow with the knicks and the rest of the league at the trade deadline